Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 60. We've made it. This well, is 60. iPad 3 tomorrow. Do we get to collect a gold card now? iPad 3 tomorrow. I think it's 65 for the gold card, isn't it? For okay, the Senior we, Citizens Gold Card. We have to wait And that then. relates to age, not really to the number of podcasts but you've produced. But at least Skip can get on the bus here nice and cheaply. That's right, that's right. I'm sick as a dog. Sorry, everyone. Well, we hope you make it through this uh, this episode, Brad. Um, so, in the studio tonight, we've got Skip Parker in the corner. How are you, Skip? Yeah, good, man. I'm really good, actually. Feeling great. I'm super. I'm great. It's Brad here. Um, Brad I've, I've, been, I've been playing with lots of toys, and we can talk about some of it, and some of it I'm going to have to be very quiet on. So, I'm just prepping everyone now. If there's silence from me, it's because I like my job. And Paul Spain. So that's us. Uh, we will jump in. We've got an interesting uh, lineup tonight, as always. Now, first up, uh, there's been a bit of um, bit of drama in the media over the last uh, last couple of days around a telecom customer being billed two thousand dollars for seventy megs of data while they were overseas. Never drama in our media around telecom. You are having me on. <laughs> well, this one was an interesting one because. My, I mean, in some ways, we just shouldn't even be talking about this and this should have never been in the paper because for somebody to be surprised that they got billed $2,000 for using 70 megs worth of data just, to me, is stupidity because if they've done this on their iPhone or would it virtually any other smartphone... Devices are relevant, isn't it? It's basically the concept. Of- well, no, I think the, de- the device is part of the picture because as soon as you, all devices now... They will t- they will turn off roaming by default, right? For for data. So if you decide to go overseas with your iPhone yep. and then you decide to say, "Oh, I need to use some data," you have to actually flick a switch in the settings to turn it on, and it says, "Beware, the rates are very high for using data overseas." And this is the same across Android, Windows Phone, iPhone. Um, so. There's there's that reminder, and I think if anybody by now doesn't know that it's expensive to use data overseas, then um, I mean, whose fault is that? Surely this guy has uh, has been living under a under a rock and has ignored the warning from his phone. But aren't they saying that there are cases overseas where the data rates are a lot lower than the Kiwi data rates? So effectively, in this case, Telecom is actually charging an exceptional premium for the rate. In comparison to other providers, it's a little bit cheaper. Well, they, I mean, they charge most of the carriers have a flat thirty dollars a meg uh, rate, or you know, that, there are some variances, but that's been the standard rate for roaming data for for many years. And there are ways you can buy bigger bundles and so on, but um, that's not. There shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, first off, the guy's a muppet. Secondly, um, he <laughs> if went you're to- listening, sorry, muppet. We no. do like muppets. No, I'm sorry, you, you're right. If you're going overseas, you, if you do not know now that you get in charge international roaming, which is I've just read the article, he's claiming he didn't know. Um, he was on an iPhone, but he went to the Cook Islands. Now, the Cook Islands telecommunications company is owned by Telecom New Zealand. Telecom New Zealand, and he's actually, in some ways. While I said he was a Muppet, I can see where his point of argument is from. He's saying, it's the same organisation. I've just gone to the Cook Islands, and it's telecom. Yeah, but... In, 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 in he's going to their internet connection. He's not coming back to New Zealand. But it's Zealand. not Telecom New Zealand. It is actually a different company. A they might happen to own it, but, you know, still, it's international data usage. His phone would have told him, 
everybody everybody really knows that and I mean this has been going for years and years and years and even to turn on roaming on a phone you have to you have to go through a thing to request that okay so I just usually wanna... you would even have to check that the country you're going to you know i mean it's just it's odd just so just just to clarify something here the guy did receive a courtesy text when his bill reached nine hundred dollars that he was paying for international roaming charges and then he continued to do another eleven hundred dollars <laughs> okay yeah, so, so that's that's an interesting point but he did get told at 900 so i think good on telecom for doing it and the guy is a muppet no nah, i kind of think that's cool and i kind of think that's really stupid as well it's like hey congratulations you've reached 900 dollars of your bill i mean if i got that text i'd be freaking out It'd be kind of nice if they actually did well, it I at think, the beginning. I said, think they usually do, and it might have been that either he was quick or there was some issue. Because when when you arrive in a new country, usually within a few hours, or or quite actually usually quite quickly within a few minutes of of coming on, you get those text messages. You get a message from the local carrier there, then you get a message from your New Zealand carrier saying, yeah. "Hey, you're roaming. This is the rate, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Now, if that took a while to get to him, I don't think that that's by design. There must be some other technical reason why that that took a while to get to him. No, he he didn't. He's not saying he didn't get those first few messages. They just sent him a text message to say. Hey, sir, we've just noticed your phone bill's $977 and we see you're overseas. <laughs> That's the message that they sent them. Oh, so he did get the initial yeah, one yeah. saying, yep. the moment he stepped off the plane, saying, hey, it's $30 a meg. So he ignored everything. And then his basic, yeah, I mean, I don't think that, uh, yeah, we should talk about this any longer. I, I've got, well, after Skip, I've got one quick update from Telegram, which is actually quite good on this. So. I, regardless of whether we agree or disagree that the guy did the right thing or didn't do the right thing, I still think it just seems ludicrous that we're paying such high data rates considering that, I mean, is the data actually going anywhere other than on the internet in that space? I mean, why is the wholesale rates I, around I, it so, I, so high? I think we all agree that those roaming rates oh, are, are too high and it's just, it's just one of the ways that the telcos, you know, make, um, make some very good revenue uh, and... You know they they're earning high dollars as well when international people come into New Zealand. So when someone from Australia or wherever comes into New Zealand, then Telecom New Zealand or Two Degrees or Vodafone they're making some nice money off those roaming customers too. So um, I'll counter that with one in a second. Just Telecom have just updated saying that they're going to be introducing a new service this month, which allows if Paul's going overseas, he can say I only want to spend thirty dollars of international roaming charges. And they will give you text message updates at two sixty or hundred megabits, depending on what you're doing. So that's quite a good. You can always prepay what you, the data usage you're going to use overseas. Um, for what you said about the offshore stuff, if they're coming from the EU, there's an EU law now which says that they can only be ten or fifteen percent, so ten to fifteen percent higher than the in, um, the in-country in charges, even if they're coming to New Zealand. Yeah, that hasn't that hasn't come out yet, though. That's oh, is still, it coming out? I is think it? that's still in process. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they've got changes underway at the moment. Uh, some of those are coming through in 2014. There is some there is some regulation, I think, there at the yeah. moment around calling. So on to uh, more interesting topics. Um, Windows 8 Consumer Preview. Now we talked about the Consumer Preview last week that it was landing, and it indeed did uh, did land last uh, late last week um, in New Zealand and and around the world, obviously, and also the Windows 8 uh, server product. Now, uh, Brad, during the day when you're not uh, when you're not podcasting, you work for uh, some big corporation that um, happens to release this product. Yes. Um, now, <laughs> y- 
you've had a bit more of a chance than us to uh, to play around with it on on tablet devices and others because you've got uh, access to a fair bit of uh, equipment there at the uh, mighty Microsoft Corporation uh, um, offices. I can confirm or deny that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you how have you been enjoying having it on on your laptop and so on? I've been I've played with it on two devices. Um, one is my laptop, which I've just done a clean build of, and one is my main PC at home, uh, which probably my wife uses more than me. And I guess the surprise I got was uh, she's picked it up really quickly and is quite uh, quite enjoying it. How how are you going? Because you're a, a pretty much a power user. Yeah, look, I mean, so. I'm just going to think about how I'm going to word all this. So for me at the moment, I um, when I got the consumer preview on, I've got a um, a touchscreen laptop. So and it is a it took me a while to get used to the change. And I think this is going to be the biggest thing for people that have used Windows since '95 or over the Vista years. It, it's it's a change, and that always frightens people a little bit. Things aren't quite where they used to be. And it does take a little while, and especially if you're a power user, you're so used to being able to navigate, open a open a command prompt with administrator rights and blah blah blah, that it's it you don't know where all that stuff is now because there's no start button, everything's on a Windows Phone Seven. But once I got, for me, once I spent about an hour or two going through, and I also lit it up. And well, what I mean by that is, with your Windows Phone, when you first get it, you go, "Wow, this is really cool. It's a new interface, something different." But then you add in your Gmail, your Hotmail, your Xbox Live accounts, and suddenly this device comes alive with all this information around social media. Exactly the same thing with Windows 8 client. Where you can hook it into you hook it Facebook. In. Yep, and, and suddenly all the tiles are running and everything just suddenly is like, wow, this is a different experience. Xbox Live on on the tablet was is a cool thing. Xbox Companion is amazing. You have to jump through some hoops at the moment to get that working in New Zealand, don't you? Do. Don't, don't you? And yeah. uh, I, you know, I had to do that with setting up my US settings to get that to work. Uh, but once you see it, that stuff is actually really, really good. And I know it's, it'll only be a very small percentage of our listeners that are using a Windows phone, but some of those experiences that have been out on Windows phone are really moving across onto uh, onto the tablet and onto the desktop, aren't they? Yeah, now we've actually got a Samsung 700T here in the studio right now, which is uh, one of the um, test units that we're allowed to play with and talk about. Um, and obviously this is probably, you know, this is, this is a, a business device tablet, so it's not the ARM-based system at this point in time it's coming out. And you know what? The experience is really, really fluid, really quick. Um, I At the moment, I've had no issues at all running it. And the build that I've got is set up for my work. So on my tablet, sorry, on my laptop and then the tablets, uh, consumer, just home job. Um, and from between both of them, between Word and everything, it just flicks between the desktop and the Metro interface beautifully at this point in time. So... When when an app is not Metro based, so it looks like Windows Seven, it'll flick back to the desktop and run. If it's a Metro app, it'll stay in that tile mode and go full screen and runs really nicely there. Yeah, I think there's um, there's it's been interesting reading the various reviews coming in from media around the world and also watching you know the blogosphere and just people's comments on message boards and it's been quite a mixed um, mixed result of responses. I think. Quite surprisingly, most of the uh, most of the reviews have been very, very you know positive. It's sort of getting the buzz that you'll often see around something from Apple, 
and it's quite unusual sort of seeing that from a lot of the mainstream media. I have to laugh, sorry. Um, <laughs> and but on the on the flip side, you've got um, you've got some very vocal enthusiasts saying, "I don't want to be forced to not have my start menu and to have to use Metro." Um, and and there's certainly a bit of that in blogs too. But what I found interesting was you actually have to use it and spend some time with it before making those calls because once you actually once you do get used to it, um, you know, like you're saying, it lights up and there's actually more. There are more shortcuts and fast ways of doing things in Windows 8 than there actually ever were in 7. Oh yeah. There, I mean, you you once you're logged in and you've got that Metro screen there, you can just start typing. It does an instant search. You don't have to. Oh, I've got to get go to the run command, or you've got to or hit swipe the start, to a search button, start button yeah. or anything like that. You can actually just start typing, you know, straight from there and do your searches. And there are a whole lot of uh, shortcuts. We were talking earlier, Brad, about where you slide your, um, you know, pointer to the bottom left-hand corner. You do a right click. You've got access to a whole lot of uh, admin type functions. And you know these are things that that took more steps than that in Windows Seven. I, I think the other key thing, and you raised a good um, two good points. What the first one is that this consumer preview is designed for tablets, but also designed for PCs, laptops. So it's what's called more mouse orientated. So where you've still got the point and click based devices, all that you do have a lot more functionality built in than the developer preview. And on the tablet, it's a lot more optimized. And I think the beautiful the other thing you said before, and your lovely wife. For people that haven't used it, like my seven-year-old, he's mm. been he he gets to test a lot of hardware, um, because it's interesting watching him have a go between the iPad and again he like Selena, she picked it up really quite. He picked it up. It's so really fast. intuitive, yeah. But for us being a bit older, fuddy-duddy, techie people, <laughs> yeah. we're so used to in our ways of how we like. I mean, I know people that switch the Windows Seven interface to look like Windows ninety-five still, you know. And these are IT people. Because that's what, yes, Skip, I'm looking at you. Um, but that's what they like to use. And and I think what we've got to realize is that for the 95% of the public out there, this will work just like iOS and Android has worked for them. And they're not going to have the gripes that we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, most of the, the old keyboard shortcuts are there. You know, you can, you can hit the start button and, it's, you know, instead of seeing the... Uh, start menu and just seeing the first level of it, you get the you get everything. And to me, that reminds me a little bit for those that have used the newer versions of Office. You get the backstage menu when you hit the uh, you know the icon, same word. You hit the word icon at the um, or you hit the file um, um, menu, and that takes over the whole screen. And Metro works a similar way in replacing the start menu with something that takes over your whole screen. And I'm I'm actually pretty pretty comfortable with that all of the old sort of shortcuts like Alt Tab and uh, you know most of those thing things work even old shortcuts that you know many people might have even forgotten are there from the old Windows One onwards days Alt F4 to close an application it's it still works you know nearly nearly thirty years on from when it you know when it came out um, so yeah that most of those most of those quick ways of doing things are there and and there's a bunch more. Uh, I think it's PC World that have published quite a good uh, online article for those that have uh, got the preview and are wanting to learn the tricks. Um, a good online article covering a lot of what those uh, those keyboard shortcuts are for getting yeah. around. There's almost one of every um, 26. I, mean, I think it almost covers the entire alphabet. I think it's stupid. Yeah, Windows key plus, you know, and uh, whatever whatever key. So th- there's all sorts of things you can do there. Um, you know, there, there are... Yeah, there are just shortcuts where wherever you look. Once once you learn, for instance, there's this. You've got the lock screen, 
and you know on a tablet you can slide that up off your screen or with a mouse you can pick that up and drag it off the screen but just hit a key and it will automatically slide off the screen as well right so yep. there's so many shortcuts and the other way the other they've also got the um, touch log on working and what I mean by that is you can have a photo and rather than typing a password or a pin, you can have key points that you can touch or swipe on that photo that are your security identifiers to log into the machine. And I've actually got that working. It took about 30 seconds to set up. And it's so cool to log on. I have a photo. I touch certain points on it. And suddenly it, lo- it goes through. And it's swipe or touch point based. So I can see that being built for um, video. My personal opinion here, not Microsoft's, uh, will be looking at like if you've got a camera or something, you know, you've been able to recognise you and that type of stuff. It's getting there. So, mm, mm. Um, but close to my heart, Windows Server. Now that's the real meaty stuff here. Well, that's that's kind of a big part of what what you do day to day, right? Is involved oh, yeah. in server, and of course, you know, Skip and I, um, you know, working in in um, in the real world as well. Um, Windows Windows Server is is out there running um, in and most businesses and so we come across it a lot um you're pretty excited about some of the new features coming through are there, are there sort of one or two that um you know for those that are, for those of our listeners that are uh, um you know interested in the side of things and, and no it's, it's it's not everyone so we'll we'll scoot over it reasonably quickly but in <sighs> any uh any things that sort of you know really jump jump out that you're excited about brad um I think there's probably three things. First thing, um, the way I look at a lot of the Microsoft products is they do small incremental feature updates. You know, Vista to 7 cleaned it up and got it working. 7 to 8's got a complete new interface, but it's still built on 7. Windows Server 8 is a new server, bottom line. There is, it is using Metro interface. So when you log into that, when you open and log in that device, you have a Metro which has all your health checks built in so all the key functionality you want to know what's going on with your server environment is there in front of you Um, it's a big virtualization product so whether you want to use it or if you do want to do like um, virtualization between two devices you don't have to have special storage anymore so in the past you used to have have software that would allow you to uh, replicate between two things uh, and you can just do that with an Ethernet cable. So that's just built in now, standard By feature, default. isn't it? Yeah, and, and, the, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. I was reading um, uh, ZDNet their website, and uh, there was a big article from uh, one of their writers who, you know, is is pretty heavily focused on uh, VMware, which you know, of course, for our listeners, is a big virtualization platform that holds sort of the lion's share of the market. And his comment was that the new uh, the new things that have really come through in in Windows Server 8 um, put put Microsoft's virtualization platform sort of really um, you know in step with everything VMware has, but then also a number of steps ahead in terms of you know things you have to pay them thousands of dollars to get are sort of built into the product standard, or that you've got to go to maybe a third-party vendor to get, again, that those are, are built-in standards. So, it, I mean, it sounds as though they've actually done a really, really good job with this stuff. I can't comment on other competitors' stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, the other one that for people that used to use Home Server, they've got a thing called Storage Pools now, which you can just have a whole lot of different disks, whether they're cheap, nasty, external storage, and make them into one giant big volume, and you can just put disks in there dynamically. And Windows 8 uh, Does on the desktop yep. supports that as well, yep. so it's not just the server one, which is which is good. It, it's going to be interesting to see how big. how these big leaps forward sort of um, you know stir stir up the competition um, a bit. You know, VMware obviously will be we're looking at this stuff very closely. Um, 
there's some really nice tie-in with Windows 8 on the desktop side, um, you know, the way it ties into the cloud. So you log you log into a cloud account and that syncs back down. I think, you know, we're seeing similar things from Apple um, and, you know, even from the, you know, Linux vendors and, and, and Google where, you know, you'll have this account that sits in the cloud that, uh, that brings a lot of, you know, um, you know, a lot of your settings and and so on down when you log in any machine, and that's one of the things I'm finding quite cool about uh, about Windows 8 with those cloud logins. I think the biggest thing will be um, who makes it the simplest, and I, th- I think with Apple took the f- took a step with iCloud, Microsoft with Windows 8 are doing a lot of work with SkyDrive and everything else. Ubuntu is doing a lot of work around the cloud at the moment, but at the end of the day, it'll be who can execute it the simplest because people users will just want it to work. And when they go to another device, they just want their settings. That's what they want. And at the moment, yeah, it's some of the current vendors in the market, it's a little bit clunky. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, remember, this is sort of a version one of a lot of this stuff. And even for those people that are a bit freaked out about the user interface with Windows 8, you know, it is the, it is the first go. And this stuff will, um, you know, will grow over time. There'll be there'll be adjustments and, and tweaks. But, uh, yeah, I think it's look like a, looking like a, a good start. And... Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what new products come out based around Windows 8. Um, you know, once it actually fully uh, launches into the market later from a hardware yeah. side of things, it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be great because it's going to spurn us to go along to, to rather than just having one version of the hardware which you get with Apple, you're going to have other vendors coming in which are going to have their hardware, what you know, the minimum resol or the resolutions you've got to have, just like the Windows Phone 7. But you're going to have to have different flavors of it out there, so you know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get a X number of resolution, it's going to be a, a quad or dual core, whatever it is, but it's how they interpret and how HP, Dell, IBM, whoever, Asus, go out and actually bring that to us to play with and stuff. So oh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really, really good seeing, and I want to see some of the ARM hardware. Now, one thing that's a, that's a part of this picture is um, is Intel's new platform, which is uh, Ivy Bridge, and that is that's due out, I think, uh, next month, isn't it? So that brings with it um, the new uh, CPUs, which yes. move from a um, uh, skip. Correct me on this. Is it? Are they moving from thirty-five nanometers down to twenty-two? No, other way. Nanometers. Twenty-two to eighteen, um, and they're moving, stepping down from that. Um, it's got a lot of it. Will have GPU. I, I actually read an article on this two nights ago. Um, it had a GPU, a lot of GPU. No, no, integration. it's moving to. It's moving to twenty-two. Eighteen's the next one after that, I think. Uh, I beg to disagree. We'll have a look after the show. We'll have a look. We'll have a quick look. But but we, but, th- but basically the chips are shrinking down, right? Which means less um, power, cooler, yeah, yeah. no fans, uh, faster quad cores. It's basically all good for us as consumers. Excellent. So yeah, so that that is a part of the picture that will um, you know mean we'll end up with better, faster, sleeker you know uh, notebooks, and it really helps. With, also, really helps with the um, the tablet side of things. I would imagine. I hope so. Yeah, better. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. I mean, look. I can see it in ultra books. I can, but I, I, I'm. We must see it in these ultra thin devices. That's what we need. We want. I want ten hours battery life. I want high end graphics, and and I want the processing power in a thin device. There's no reason why they can't do it now. Yep. No, it's good. Good point. Now, in other uh, other exciting news, now at some stage we probably need to d- talk a little bit more around um, 
mountain lion from Apple, but I think at this stage we're we're a little bit locked down by their their non disclosure agreements yes. around the uh, the pre release de- developer version that we have. So um, we'll keep a watch on as more information becomes public, and uh, and we will we will certainly uh, cover that now. The word is that the Apple iPad 3 will be announced tomorrow, which is probably, you know, by the time most people are listening to this, um, they may it may already be landed. I, I don't think it is. It, it, it is an iPad, th- an iPad 3 announcement. They've even got the photo of a guy with an iPad, his hand over the top of it. So, yeah, definitely iPad 3 tomorrow. And we, we sort of think a few other odds and ends, don't we? Yeah, well, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion around what the possibilities are, what that iPad 3 is going to look like in terms of higher screen resolution and... Uh, you know other changes, better better camera. Um, you know whether it's going to be dual core or quad core. The, you know there's been deba- debate around a lot of those things. There've been some uh, mentions online that people have been seeing visits from a new version of iOS to some websites. Yep. Um, and then there's also talk around what Apple TV. Yeah. Um, some some possibilities there. I've, most of what I've heard recently. Uh, rules out the early ideas that we were going to see an, an actual big, you know, big screen TV with Apple, uh, you know, an Apple operating system. That at this stage they're still, you know, staying with the the set top box idea. Yeah. So so what I've heard is Apple TV tomorrow, 1080p, uh, updated um, version of the iOS on that. Um, the I, this this is the rumor mill, right? iPad three coming out with a Retina display, but not as good as the iPhone four. It'll be Twice the iPad so, two. Also, we've got an slightly lower pixel density. There's yeah. a little bit of a debate about the Retina display thing in the sense that when you measure these things, you've got to measure it from your usual reading distance. Yes, and in some Arm cases, length. yeah, in some cases, the iPad, the new iPad, in theory, could actually be better than the iPhone. <clears throat> I'm catching your depending flip. on how close you depending on how you it. view it, and that that's part of it is it's kind of like it's yeah. quite a hard thing to measure. Yeah. Um, I suppose if, the, if look at the end of the day, Apple loves their statistics, so that's what they'll work on. They'll work on a, a twice screen resolution. Um, it'll be 1080p video on the iPad 3. Um, now, one of the things we're hearing is that it might be a little bit thicker uh, than the current iPad 2 to accommodate the extra power that's required for the new uh, CPU, the, the the brains behind the um, which is the A5 chip. Now. Th- they, they're not going to put an A6 in apparently it's going to be an A5X is what we're hearing which basically means it's going to be a step up from the um, iPad 2 a bit more grunt to to power the retina display but there's a little bit of bigger battery but again this is all rumour mill tomorrow it'll all become clear I love this there's heaps of ch- updates going on right now even as we speak it's like is it going to be called the iPad 3 or it could be called the iPad 2S in fact there has been some valid rumours that it could be called the iPad HD Oh, that's a good one, yeah, because it's going to be all HD content. But there's uh, there's some things that people are being saying, you know, we're seeing it appear in some analytics tools on our websites and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I, I, you, you I, iTunes is going to get an update too. Is that's what I've heard as well, is that there will be a special HD-only part of iTunes get created, which you'll be able to stream pure 1080p content to go with the iPad 3 and also the Apple TV. But look, I mean, it's actually, I mean, Look, there's a lot going on. People always get hyped up when they hear, you know, when Apple ever does anything. So we'll know tomorrow morning in about 24 hours. So the the chances are that Apple TV, I just find that a bit crazy. I mean, they tend to only release one product at a time to get the most out of their bang for buck in terms of shareholder return. Yeah, but also um, something like an Apple TV announcement 
might not be big enough to actually get a major announce. So by plugging it in with an iPad launch, they you know potentially get extra coverage. That, 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 that's, that, that's just a guess. That's an interesting point. I, it just makes me wonder if maybe the Apple TV could be a little bit less than what we hope it to be. But well, I think the the Apple TV hasn't been such a mainstream product, but it has has actually been quietly selling away. Yeah. And I think they announced some you know some figures of uh, a, a month or two back. And you know they were, you know they'd shot straight past a million units, which is is quite a considerable number for, uh, you know, for a device of of that type. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep ramping this up. And uh, if you sell, I mean, even selling a mini, million units of a product like that, you know, it sells for uh, ninety nine bucks in the US. So yeah. that's a hundred million dollars worth of of product sales. Um, better than most other you know companies on the planet would would ever sell of most products. So better, better than my trade me sales, uh, um, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's it's <laughs> um, it's not not such a uh, not such a bad thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I imagine we'll see that stepping up, particularly as as people dive more into the Apple uh, ecosystem. Uh, it, it makes uh, you know sense that more people will jump on board with the Apple TV. I wouldn't be surprised if they move that up to. Uh, you know, five to ten million uh, units this year. Nice. Um, I've got something different. We haven't even looked at the topic, Jen, that I just discovered just now. This has nothing to do with Apple, by the way. Um, a guy in the US got so frustrated with people talking on mobile phones, he goes, and especially Android and iPhone devices. It's amazing how people are picking up the device now to, to target. It's quite interesting. That he bought a, um, a cell phone jammer, a portable one, put it in his pocket and every time he hops on the bus now he turns it off so the, the bus can, no one on the bus can get access to their cell phones and then he hops off and turns it off again and it, the people have been um, wondering why particular bus routes had no cell phone coverage and apparently they've spent all this money trying to work it out and then they've tracked down that this guy's got a, a portable jammer and he just wants to have a quiet bus ride apparently he's a bit different that is absolutely brilliant now for those that are thinking of doing that in New Zealand it, it is illegal. It's illegal it's illegal in the US uh, and, it's illegal it's in the US probably illegal in most parts of the world but uh, no, 100% legal in yeah, the US I know you might be able to go and buy one of these somewhere online of which we're not going to point you in any particular directions uh, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> as well as costing somebody a lot of money to track why there's no coverage somewhere, um, yeah, they're illegal. So um, and bear should, in, should be avoided. Bear in mind, the Ministry of Economic Development do have a van with antennas on the top, and they do track you down. And usually they're pointing at Skip and Skip's activities, but oh, um, not so much recently. Oh, okay, you've been good. <laughs> All right. Now, um, in in other um, recent news, also. Um, Facebook have come out with their Messenger application for Windows with an app coming to uh, to Mac soon. So you will be able to uh, do Facebook chit-chats like you've been able to do in Skype and uh, other instant messaging platforms without using the website uh, via your Windows PC. Facebook Messenger does get so broadly used, or Facebook chat gets so broadly used now because everybody that you know tends to be using it. Whereas you know the other chat platforms, you know, you tend to not be linked in with everyone on on it. So um, I, I think it's a smart move on on their part. I know this isn't a topic list, but I'm going to jump to it now quickly. The, the Google privacy thing. I've just there's been just an article just come out recently that apparently the Asia Pacific Privacy Authority, so Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico, Hong Kong, South Korea, have all uh, put a joint letter into Larry Page saying 
that they are not happy about the recent Google changes and privacy stuff and that they don't like it that Google's now aggregating and putting everything together about what's going on inside Google and it's compulsory on every page. Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. I mean, the the EU have already come out and said that actually this new uh, privacy, uh, the privacy policy changes are actually illegal in the European Union. So yeah, with other other regions um, stepping in and saying that this isn't good, doesn't probably stand out too well for uh, or look look too well for uh, for Google. But I can imagine it's something reasonably reasonably easy for them to fix. And they could certainly just roll back to their old privacy policy in a jiffy. Righto, now in local news, New Zealand's Commerce Commission has okayed um, Skinny Mobile sim-locking their phones. Now, Skinny Mobile, of course, we've chatted about these guys in the past. They're a, um, a little uh, startup from within Telecom New Zealand. And they've launched their new mobile uh, brand, Skinny Mobile, sort of low-cost aimed at a sort of a younger market. Huge marketing budget, though. They were all over the Rugby Sevens down in Wellington. Apparently, it was just everywhere with Skinny Mobile. Mm, interesting. So they're focusing, I think, more on events and those sort of uh, things than, uh, than you know, TV advertising and the like. Oh, it's, the tw- it's the more teenage, young adult market I think they're targeting, you know. Expect to see a lot of Skinny Mobile ads around Twilight and stuff like that, I suppose. So... Anyway, this is an interesting one that uh, Commerce Commission have said it's okay for them to sim-lock their phones. So what that means is here in New Zealand we're going to see what's plagued many overseas markets where you'll buy a phone. Usually, you know, in New Zealand we buy a phone and it is actually coming through either Vodafone or Telecom or Two Degrees. Now they've got deals with most of the providers rather than you buying a phone that has no you know, affiliation with a particular network in terms of the way that it's marketed. Uh, and if you buy any handset uh, that is from Skinny, I guess the chances are in the future that it's going to be sim-locked. So you won't be able to just pick that up and use it on another network. Now, you're more, out of the three of us, you're more the phone advocate and I'm more the media and, and Skip's just more everything. Um, from your side, from the phone side, I, I know you buy a lot of devices. Does this mean that from if you buy a Skinny device, you can't put it on Vodafone? Uh, what was yes, yes and no. I guess the the scarier thing is because the Commerce Commission have said okay to Skinny, that there's an opportunity for all the other carriers to move into this. And Good once point. one carrier does it, the other ones kind of have to do it to stay price competitive. Now, the the flip side is of that Skinny have said, look, after nine months you'll be able to um, take your phone away to another carrier anyway, and I think at no charge. If you want to do it sooner than that, it's only going to be thirty dollars. So it's not a big deal to move your phone away from them, but you know that extra thirty dollars is you know at at least an inconvenience. Um, at most, it's something that'll just st- stop people, um, you know, changing to another carrier if they're not happy with the results because they'll they'll think that their phone can't move so easily. So I suppose for people listening, what at the end of the day, if you go to Skinning, be prepared to stay for. Up to nine months will be on because you're going to have to rejoin a particular break a contract and go to a new network. Would that be? Well, it's not to do with contract. It just means if you put, let's say, you put a Vodafone SIM in your um, phone from Skinny, it won't work unless you've either got to the end of that nine months and you've asked them to unlock it, um, or you've paid them thirty dollars and talked through over the phone and got your uh, got your unlock code from them. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned because remember, Skinny is is at this stage an absolute niche player until they pick up a bit of market share, which they probably will do. But the concern is because they're doing it, 
the other players will sort of be forced to do it to keep their phone prices competitive because when you when you sim lock you can maybe discount your phones a little bit more because you know you're uh, you're likely to have a bit more lock in from your customers. Hasn't there been a case of sim locking before in, in New Zealand? Yes, there was a company called Vodafone that did it. You probably heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering why this one's gone to the Commerce Commission. It just seems like a pretty benign thing. I mean, these guys are turning around, <laughs> you clowns. These guys are turning around really cheap handsets. Really, I mean, it just just seems a bit strange that we'd actually be re- just checking this as legit. Well, the yeah, I think they. I mean, they wanted to be sure before they went into it. Um, there was a bit of hoopla around it last time, and and I think Vodafone just sort of quietly stopped uh, stopped doing it because of the uproar. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think it, that um, it, it got to this sort of point of requesting uh, an official okay. So, hands up, who thinks once if Skinny starts to get some market share and get some dominance and they get some good phones. How many backyard unlocking places there will be to unlock skinny skinny phones around the place? Because that's all that's going to happen, right? They're just going to have third party. Well, you know, no, phone I don't know. Places. At thirty dollars, it's it's not actually that expensive to unlock. That you may not even bother with a third party service because a third party, if you go to if you go to the stores around Auckland that do unlocking at the moment, most of them charge more than thirty dollars to unlock a phone. Well, I'll right, take your advice. I've got a mm. yeah. You've done it more than I have, so. But there, yeah, there are usually various ways of doing it. But I, I don't yeah. think the general population is going to care. They'll, they'll they march with their feet. They'll just go to another plan. Generally, if you go to another plan or a service, you generally get a phone with it anyway. So it's like you know what, cut my loss. This is not working for me. If that's the case, I'm not saying that Skinny's not going to work. Um, and they'll just go to another plan and get another phone. Hmm. And I guess I mean at the moment, while it's just Skinny, the fact is moving from you know that sits on Telecom's XT network. Their phones are. Um, you know, not as good once they move on to uh, Vodafone or Two Degrees anyway, because they uh, they use the 850 uh, megahertz rather than 900 megahertz um, yep. band. Yep. All right, that's um, probably enough on that one. That's skinny, done and dusted. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, eh? To what? Locking to, phones? To, no, to skinny coming into the market space properly. Well, they're already in the market. No, properly. Like they're actually starting to make some headway in it. Well, how do you know when when they are or aren't making headway? How can you tell? Uh, when you get uh, a character like uh, Reese Darby on your screen twenty four hours a day? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's that's just that you know two degrees spent that money and and you know they're taking a different approach. I think probably in the in the uh, in the youth market you'll be seeing more of their sort of activities because yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're still, more uh, focused under under line. They're still not a, a, a known brand widely known brand yet you don't normally see their branding everywhere at this stage but that's when I start seeing them getting into the market space a bit more all right um, now Brad you've um, you noticed that uh, in Australia there's some new rules coming out that are going to impact uh, bloggers there it's going to impact you that's the primary function at the moment yeah so at the moment uh, people like all of us who blog and there's probably quite a big audience out there, um, we can sort of put anything we want in the media to an extent, and we're not bound by pub, um, publishing laws, which means that, for instance, if Stuff or NZ Herald or CNN put anything on their website, if for any reason they get a, a request or an, or an order by the courts, they actually have to take down within a certain time frame or correct that statement. So that's why you'll see sites like The Verge, for instance, that uh, do a lot of blogging, have update, update, update. Now, the new law that's coming out, or proposed new law that's coming out in Oz, which says 
If you are a blogger and you get more than 41 page impressions, and from Mr. Paul Spain that's not a lot, then you will be classed as a publisher, which means that you will fall under the same laws as publishers like Sydney Morning Herald, Stuff, New Zealand Herald, and you might have to be able to correct your publications within a certain time frame, otherwise you can get taken to court. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess they're holding to a, a higher standard of account. I mean, the reality is anything you put online, you know, you've still got the potential to be, you know, come into trouble if you po- post uh, false statements, libel, and, and those sorts of things. That's one of the challenges message boards have quite regularly too. But for you as, as, as quite a prolific blogger and, and out in the industry out there, um, you know, falling under the same laws as a publisher now means you're, I suppose, blogging has been a little bit more free, a little bit more uh, less restricted. How do you feel about being maybe put under those same restrictions and potentially, you know, on Windows Phone NZ site, suddenly having to be put to pull down a whole lot of content? Otherwise, you'll have a cease and assist and legal and blah 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 coming coming to you. Yeah, I mean, I think in a, in a lot of cases it's not really a big drama, and I guess it will encourage you know people in terms of keeping a, a good professional standard. But yeah, I think there are situations where it could could be could become a bit of a nightmare but you know I think we need to do a little bit more research about you know exactly what those differences are compared to uh, you know the standards that people have got to stick to today and hey it's in Australia so it doesn't impact us just yet but if Australia <laughs> just, does it then um, there's, there's a reasonable chance that something similar will uh, will happen here. As my lovely wife who is Australian tells me uh, New Zealand's just another state of Australia. It so. is, it is apparently. It is in the official charter over there. Where did the 41 come from? That just seems like such a random number. I will, I'll look, what I'll do is I'll do some homework and I'll do some more digging on this. Um, and the, you can do a blog post about it, Brad. <laughs> yeah, get it taken down by the Australian government. Yeah. But no, yeah, I just look, for me at the moment, I think there's, like you said, you can't go on the internet and spout off garbage because you will get in trouble and you you do have people chasing you. But blogging's not just about us as IT people. It's like my son's school has a blogging area where they blog and that's public as well. And imagine kids getting forced into, you know, those same type of rules and governance or teenagers, um, you know, or, you know we, we've got Nate in the studio at the moment as a guest, you know, Nate blogging on his phone right now saying he's talking about this. We could, you know, you don't want to have that level of control over everyone put on you. So I don't know. I, I think it's getting a little bit too restrictive, but there does need to be, I think if you're doing it and making money out of it, then maybe you need to fall under the publishing laws. Yeah, I think the money out sorry. of it, but might be more of a bit of measurement. But and, that, and that's hard to measure. That's why you've got to have some line that's that you can measure across the board, rather than whether somebody makes five dollars or you know a thousand dollars, because probably all sorts of ways of measuring that. It's interesting you say that because I mean, how they're going to measure from an external source whether you've got forty-one page hits on a particular thing? It's kind of like just make it a blanket policy for the web if you're going to do that. Really, and then the question is: Does it count for you if you're hosting stuff in Australia? So, if I'm a Kiwi and I'm using a server in Australia, does that mean I'm fall under that law? Or if I'm an Australian blogging with a service in the states, do I fall under the same law? Tricky yep. question. And there's a little bit. There's certainly a little bit more to find out there. So we'll send Brad away to do that research. Now, something on a on a different matter that I've I've noticed um, has becoming more popular within here with the NZ Tech podcast crew and I guess you know probably um, on an ongoing you know basis internationally 
is the Kindle in its various flavours. Brad's been um, telling us a lot about the Kindle Fire recently, love. which is his, his favourite device. Um, Skip's been using Kindle uh, Kindle Touch, I think, in the last few days, and has been loving it. Is oh, that right, yeah. Skip? Yeah, it's fantastic. And I've had I'm on my second Kindle, uh, and in fact, the Kindle Fire arrives for me tomorrow. Um, and I've just sort of jumped in boots at all now. The reason in my case is I'm about to go away on holiday, and as we all know, it's really expensive to carry a lot of luggage. So um, I've got, bought about ten books, and I'm taking them off to uh, uh, to read while I'm um, on the beach in Samoa. Don't forget the battery charger. I've got that. In fact, I've got the uh, the famous gadget that I picked up in the US, which is solar powered and has a crank handle. <laughs> so uh, even if I'm uh, well okay. away from the power grid, I will still be able to power my Kindle. How's this that? is Brad just shaking his head in sadness at Paul at the moment. <laughs> Paul's going to get a great upper body workout as yeah. he cranks that well, handle. Comes back with like a huge bicep. That was I was cranking to keep my iPad and stuff going. <laughs> but. Uh, because Samoa doesn't have any data roaming, I am not going to get a two thousand dollar bill for uh, for my uh, my mobile phone usage. In fact, I'll be I'll be off the grid, guys. So uh, I won't even be able to listen in to to you guys or join the chat or anything. So uh, it looks like we might have to ask Nate to uh, to step in as a uh, as a guest next week. He's committed now. It's on air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll, so, we'll, we'll let next week. Here's Nate. Your homework for next week. Seabit's on at the moment in Germany, so we'll do a quick wrap up of Seabit <laughs> for next week. Yeah. So that will be it. I will. We'll be discussing. We'll just C-Bit. want a little sort of twenty minutes uh, pre say of, of of what's gone. Two thousand words. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but um, I'll I'll probably have a few more comments on um, on Kindle after having that as pretty much my uh, only piece of technology uh, while while away for uh, a few days. So um, just quickly around the, around the news now. Um, for those of you who used to love Disc Keeper, were you know, the old days of defragging everything? Defragging your discs. I know. That's right. um, it's gone. The name's gone. They're um, they're basically rebranding themselves to work on flash drives and other smaller style media. They're now going to be called Conducive. Um, they will just keep doing um, Disc Keeper product, but it'll be Undelete and um, Scan Disc. Uh, sorry, and um, uh, micro based uh, disc technology. So they'll still be keeping your discs running fast and smooth, uh, and but yeah. no disc keeper because I love disc keeper. It was great, but I suppose as operating systems like Windows and Apple and all the other ones have actually got better file systems built into it, and, and obviously Linux as well, the the need is being sort of I suppose engineered out of the product is from that side. Fair enough. All right. Any other uh, any other finishing news items, guys? Or um, uh, I just want to note one little funny story actually um, in the UK. A, now this is this is actually in the legal court document, so it's now on on legal record. An Apple fanboy, isn't that cool? That's now a legal word. Um, <laughs> took Apple to court in the UK because Siri didn't perform as they saw in the ads from the US. Now he's obviously lost because he's a muppet, but <laughs> it, it, because in the actual things it says will not operate the it's same your as in the word it this is week, it's isn't it? night. Um, it will not operate the same as in the US. Will only do uh, email updates, calendar. They actually outlined in the ads over there what it would do. Oh, and the he fine would, print at yeah, the bottom the, of the screen, which uh, you can't really read unless. Well, if you had uh, you know a new Retina display, you might be able to see it. <laughs> um, but obviously, Retina eyes. Yeah, but he would watch the he watched all the YouTube videos and thought his version of Siri in the UK could do exactly like the American Siri, and he took them to court. He lost. And he spent five thousand pounds trying to do it. <laughs> so. 
don't take Apple to court. You're not going to win. They've got gazillion billion dollars in the bank. And yes. Yeah, yeah yes, you yes. have a finite amount of money. If Apple you're have an infinite someone, amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go after Microsoft. They've got a little bit less. Or Google, they've got a little bit less. Yeah, we're, or we're three, Amazon, they've got a little bit less still. Um, I think, what is it? Uh, Apple's $510 billion. We're... Three sixty nine as of yesterday. Google's two seventy, and Amazon's around the one hundred mark. Don't ask me how I know that. I just happen to be actually looking at the new Windows eight stock stock app and actually list their market value. Wow. So, well, there you go. I was, right. using, I was using the finance app in Windows eight. There you go. Excellent. Well, that wraps us up for uh, for another week on the NZ Tech Podcast. Thank you everybody for listening in. You can, of course, find us online now. Skip, you're on uh, Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Yep, it's at Urban Kiwi NZ. And Brad. Uh, at Brad Bohr. And mine is just my name, Paul Spain. And, of course, nztechpodcast.com is our website. We're at facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. If you like us, then that's uh, appreciated. Uh, and twitter.com slash nztechpodcast. So uh, keep in touch with us on those channels. Uh, we are trying to uh, spread out a bit of news um, in between shows of, of bargains and other bits and pieces sort of tech news that are that are going on. Um, now, also coming up next week, we expect to have uh, an announcement on Orcon's ultra-fast broadband uh, rates. They're making a big announcement uh, Wednesday, and that's what we're picking that will be all about. Um, and you can check out our UFB page on the nztechpodcast.com uh, site also if you're interested in when ultra-fast broadband is coming to your home. And uh, Microsoft has just gone to 269.13 billion, and we've got special get Nate next week with his uh, CBIT announcements. Excellent. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, hearing that. Cheers. See Thanks ya. Thanks for listening.